Hello, and welcome to this episode of Hammering Down. I'm your host, Kayla Hodges. I'm hoping you're having a great, great day. Um, so, as I'm recording this, I am currently in Charleston, South Carolina still. This post-match reaction is just like the other one that happened just the other day. It's uh, <laughs> it's coming out maybe a little bit weird time because very soon, uh, by the time this uploads, there's another upload coming out in about 12-ish hours. Chances are most of you are listening to this in the morning, so the other uploads are already out. So after this is over, go listen to me talk to Mark Watson for like two hours. It was a blast. Um, yeah, this is uh, this match against Charleston. What a match, huh? I mean, this has to be one of the most dominating wins I can remember in a while. The fact that we held a team to just two shots on goal, six shots total, and only one of those shots, uh, it was the Perez shot at the end, that's like the 49th minute, maybe 50th minute. It was like right in the box. That was the only one that you could really look at and say, wow, that's a shot. That has a chance on goal. The rest were just nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It was a smothering defensive display. And I don't want that to give you guys a bit of a false sense of hope. But there's no question that the Atlanta United match was always going to be harder than this match. Atlanta United has one heck of an offense. Yeah, they don't have a defense. But Charleston doesn't have a defense. And they don't have an offense. So... If you can shut down Augie Williams, uh, their number nine, then you have a great chance to not only win the game, but do it dominatingly. And that's what happened in this match. Augie Williams did not do anything in this match, which was a bit of a shocker, to be honest. He only had just the two shots, and they were not good. (laughs) Um, There is something I do want to talk about, though with just kind of the Charleston situation. I want to start this, and I know I've already kind of started the episode, but I want to mention it. I Don't get me wrong. The people at Charleston were incredible. The people were nice. The They were very welcoming to us. They gave us food. They gave us beer. It was great, right? But people who have been clamoring that protective stadium would be better if it's small we need to go back to bbva whatever the stadium down at patriots point in charleston is a smaller stadium it was probably about 30 for 30 percent capacity which for a lot of legion matches is about the same that we had at bbva so you know sizes were comparable and on the field, it was depressing. It, there was no atmosphere whatsoever. A 10% crowded protective stadium just booms throughout that stadium. Meanwhile, what's what was happening at uh, Patriots Point was you heard two people cheering. There was nothing going on. They would do chants. They would have some voozellas going on. And on the field, it sounded bad. So, small stadium does not always mean better atmosphere. 
that's just true. If you want a better atmosphere at Protective Stadium, now this is not everybody. I get this, but I'm just going to ask you to get off your high horse a little bit and help make it a better atmosphere. I know a lot of people who are clamoring for a better atmosphere just want to sit back and watch the game. They don't care about they don't care about chanting, they don't care about clapping, they don't care about any of that stuff, which is fine. If you are just there to watch the game, that's fine. But you can't complain about the atmosphere at Protective Stadium and not be a part of the solution. That's I I don't know what else to say. I mean, Patriots points was is a much, much, much smaller setup than uh, Protective Stadium. It's just a little bit bigger than BBVA. And the atmosphere was horrible. Horrible. So, yeah. If you want to make Protective better, better, wow, that's about right now because I have ever sound. Um, if you want to make it better, then be a part of the solution. Let's get back to this win, though. And I think it's easy to say, hey, Johnny Dean was the man of the match. I don't think that's a hot take. Um, I do want to point out some uh, some players here before we get to Johnny Dean. First off, Juan Aguadelo probably had his best match in a Legion shirt. His press was very effective. His ability to press the ball was actually quite impressive. Uh, impressive. Ha ha. I'm very funny. <laughs> um, his passing was great. His dribbling was pretty good. He did have a few moments. There was a moment in the 20th minute that I think he could have had a go on goal and just didn't. I don't know. I don't really remember what held him up. I mean, it was pretty much square on in front of net just outside the six yard box took a shot with his right foot i just didn't go in um that's one you want to see him bury and he had another moment in stoppage time that you know just kind of deflected off didn't quite go in but his passing ability was great his just his just general his general ability was good. His pressing was awesome. I loved it. Some other players that really showed out to me, and I got a clip of it, and I'm going to have to try to find it somewhere because it was really impressive. Let me tell you, Grayson DuPont is, he's a dude. He is a dude. And you hear this a lot, that he has the technique, he just doesn't have the mentals. He has the technique, he doesn't quite have the mentals. And that's something that was uh, echoed by Coach Stone himself. Granted, we've heard this on the opposite side of he has the mentals, he doesn't quite have the technique of it. You know, maybe he's not the most technical player, but he's really, really smart, right? Um, this is kind of, don't get me wrong, this is not me roasting anybody, but Bruno's a great example of this. He has good technique, he has really, really good technique, but his mentals for the game are incredible. They're, they're a little bit farther along than his technique. Meanwhile, Grayson's technique is stupid. There was a moment at the end of the match when he gets in, and he's basically playing striker towards the end of the match, and we'll talk about basically our uh, youth academy that we just played the other uh, the other night. That was 
awesome. Um, it was he took on three defenders and just out dribbled them, just completely out athletic the other team. And he had Enzo uh, into the right corner, and he just didn't. He just didn't pass the ball. He could have. He didn't. I think he tried to hold on. He held on for about two seconds too long, got dispossessed. But it was one of those things that he just completely worked the other team. And he didn't get anywhere on that. He didn't create a chance from it. But that's one of those things that if he can... If he can get the mentals for it, he's going to be crazy. He's going to be absolutely insane. And another guy, I mean, Matthew, uh, not Matthew, ooh, Mateo. I'm thinking about Matthew Laurent, and we'll we'll get to that in a minute because I was going to bring that up. Um, Mateo was incredible. In person, he is... Whew, he is just a he looks like an extension of Johnny Dean. He is just as fast. Yeah, he is I think he's just as fast as Johnny Dean. His technique is great. Um he is a he's again, you want to see a little bit more maturity out of him. I would also want to see him just get a little bit stronger on and off the ball. Uh he definitely not necessarily went down easy, but he was able to get knocked off the ball fairly easy. That said, I mean, I, he probably could just keep me off the ball or just work me to death, I mean, if he wanted. But in my opinion, I think that's going to be his biggest area of growth. It's just going to be strength. Strength and mentals because his physicals are unreal. Completely unreal. We also saw Matthew Corcoran uh, get on the pitch, and he looked pretty good too. Matthew is the real deal. He is going to be ridiculous. If he keeps getting playtime like this, something tells me we are going to be hearing something from Europe pretty soon. He's so good. But let's go back to Johnny Dean. I talked about this earlier. Um, Johnny Dean was the man of the match. His assist to Ryan James was absolutely sublime, which I think that was a... If I saw this right on the video, it was a chance created from Mateo kind of poking the ball. The ball goes over to Enzo. Enzo plays it off to Johnny, who Johnny was calling for it. Johnny lays it off to Ryan, and Ryan buries it. That was an incredible play. A. Just absolutely beautiful. Well worked. It was really fun to watch. If you look at the first goal, there was a really touching moment. There was a really touching moment that, I mean, it, it pulled out the old heartstrings. He, we saw, um, we saw uh, Johnny Dean score, and he goes straight over to the bench, and he picks up Jake Roof's shirt um, in the celebration, which uh, it kind of made me sad just a little bit. Um, last time we saw the team celebrate like that, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, that was Matthew Laurent. Uh, Nico Brett scored, picks up Matthew Laurent's Sure, and Matthew Laurent has not played a minute of footy since. I don't know 
what the injury is for Jake Roof, and I'm not saying that his career is done by any means. No, no, no. I would be incredibly, 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 incredibly shocked if that were to be the case. But it definitely, I think it led to a lot of worry in the Legion camp. Um, definitely concerning. But that was a really cool moment. That was really, really cool. Um, I wish I could have enjoyed it a little bit more. Y'all, the Charleston Stadium was infested with mosquitoes. And in the middle of the goal celebration, I was getting absolutely bitten alive. I mean, I have to have, like, at least 20, 25 mosquito bites. Catherine, maybe double that. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous how many mosquitoes we got. Their, quote-unquote, um, press area is in the is standing in the marsh. They don't have a concrete place to stand. They don't really let you stand on the pitch on one side of the field. You have to just stand in the marsh. It's so bizarre. So strange. I'm really appreciative of them giving me the opportunity. I am. If I were to give any recommendations, it's like, hey, treat your grass so there's not as many mosquitoes and ugh, ugh, horrible. Something really interesting tactically, though, and I'm a little bit bitter, just a little bit, at the people who run the Allegiant app because they had uh, Zach Haravo starting at left back, which I thought was strange. Um, but it really was Mikey Lopez out starting out on the left uh, back side, and, which is kind of what I thought would happen. And kind of what I said was still true. Um, it ended up being a three-man back line. Mikey Lopez, Fanwell Cavita, Alex Granale were all playing back line. We're basically playing center backs while Johnny Dean was kind of playing um, basically a winger position. And it looked like a 3-3. A three, three, uh, how's this math going to work? Um, let's, let's figure this out. Um, a 3-3-4? Three, three, Is that... Is that how math works? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's how math works. That's six plus four. That's nine. So, or a three, four. Yeah, 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 yeah. A three, four, three. We got there. We got there. Don't worry about it. Um, so we had the three-man back line, and then we saw just Prosper out on the left side, which I saw some people questioning that and I really liked it I've said it before that Prosper out on the left is great he is a brilliant passer the thing is is that he's just not much of a shooting threat which is admittedly the problem the problem with Prosper he's a brilliant brilliant player he just he, he can only go from one side um it's unfortunate. It is. I hate it. But what can you do? You know? Um, he's... When it comes to planning a system around him, he's a bit of the wink, the weak link. This left side is a little bit of a weak link. I think that there's clear players here. I think Jake Roof was the solution at left back. But now it looks like he has a long-term injury. That's not an option. Prosper's a great passer, but you want him to try to score the ball. 
and as long as he's playing the left side because that Johnny Dean to Marlon Santos to Enzo Martinez connection, you can't ignore that. <laughs> you just can't. Also, I want to go back to an earlier comment. I was right and when I said uh, a 3-3-4, three, three, by the way. Uh, math is hard. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that's how Legion were playing with Johnny playing right wing. Anyway, so we saw it a lot of the ball would go from MVO to Alex Cronale, Alex Cronale up to someone in the middle, probably Anderson Asidu or Zachary Hervo, who, by the way, has to be in the form of his life. This is some of the best I've ever seen Zach Hervo play. Then the ball goes out wide to Johnny Dean again. Johnny Dean lays the ball off to Enzo, uh, sometimes Enzo, but Marlon. And then Marlon looks for Enzo at the back post or in the middle. That has been a wicked good connection that you just can't break up. And Prosper is kind of the weak link here. Is this a place that Mateo can shine out? I think so. I also think that you can keep a similar connection by moving Enzo out to the left wing and playing um, and playing Bruno Lapa in the middle at the cam roll. Prosper being dropped feels unfair because he's had a brilliant, brilliant season. But as long as we keep the Marlon Johnny Dean, Enzo Martinez connection going. Prosper can't fully thrive as a scorer. Now, is Prosper the assister going to be making basically a debut? Maybe. Maybe he's okay with that role. Maybe he is perfectly fine with just becoming the passer. If so, that's great. But he's still a bit of a one-trick pony in that sense, and that's still concerning. I think... I'm definitely worried about this left side now because with Mateo, you have a little bit of an option because you can move Marlon over to the left side and you can bring on Mateo uh, for Prosper or whatever. That's an option. You can move Enzo out left. You can bring in Bruno Lapa to play in the middle. That's an option. And then you have Ryan James who got his goal. What a well place goal by the way just off the bar and in pure beauty just absolute beauty and I think that Ryan James is a guy who I think if we played with left midfielders he would be a beast he would be an absolute freak of nature it's just we don't play with them we play with wingers we don't play with midfielders and because of that I don't think that Ryan has the pace necessarily to fit within this counter pre or this counterattack, this press and then counterattack system. But I also think that he's too strong as an attacker to be at our left back. I think he's a brilliant left back. I don't think that's a secret, but I also think that he is way too good of an attacker to lose him on defense or to lose him to the back line. It's a little bit different with Johnny Dean because he has the pace to recover. Ryan James doesn't have that kind of pace. I think that Mikey Lopez out on left is great. I think that's awesome. 
But again, you're basically playing with a three-center back system, which brings us a little bit back to earlier, why do we trade Thomas Van Kazeel? I know you can't really you can't really predict injuries, but I said it before, I said a couple weeks ago that you know, if we get an injury in this back line, we are in trouble. And we got an injury to our back line, and I think it's time to have that conversation. Now, do I think that there are some more signings on the way? I think there are. I don't see any way that uh, Coach Sohn and Jay Heaps and Kano uh, don't see that we have a massive we have a massive gap in our back line and are in danger of <laughs> uh, basically losing a defensive fortress in the back because of this. It's just it, it, it's hard. This is such a hard position. I don't, I don't envy them, but I think we all saw this in the preseason and said this could be a problem if we went back to a four-man backline. And we went back to a four-man backline. We no longer have Thomas Van Gaziel, and we're in trouble. So we'll see. We'll see how this works out. I don't know if we'd be able to play basically this four-man attacking line that we did with Marlon, with Enzo, which Enzo had another brilliant day, obviously. My guilty pleasure is now being on the other end of Enzo Martinez where I'm hearing everybody complain about him. When I was down in Louisville, you know, everybody booed him like crazy. At Atlanta, they kept calling him the Garden Gnome, which is actually kind of funny. Um, <laughs> it got a chuckle out of me. Um, and then everybody in Charleston hated Enzo Martinez, and it was my guilty pleasure of enjoying every single second of it because I remember hating him too. So it's nice having him on our side. But we'll see. I don't know. Zach Caravo, like I said, is having the just absolute form of his life. Dude's incredible. And Anderson Asiadu is having another Anderson Asiadu season. Uh, Alex cleaned up his defensive mistakes. He looked great uh, in this match. His physicality against Augie Williams was awesome. He kept Augie in his back pocket, which is not easy to do, especially as of late. He's, Augie Williams has been a great player as of recently. Um, Alex Cronali kept him in his back pocket. I, you know, I should have opened up the show a little bit sooner with this. But yeah, Alex had a lot of howlers against Atlanta United too. There's no question about that. He played pretty poorly. He comes back and has one of his best games of the season. So good for Alex. Uh, Fanwell had another great game. MVO didn't really have much to do. There was one moment, and I don't know on the stat sheet what it actually counted as, where everybody just kind of stopped playing. I never heard the ref blow a whistle. So, uh, the Charleston attacker just took a shot from like 30 yards out. MVO doesn't know if it's a live ball or not. Reacts last second. Dives and it looks like puts it out of play. And then I I don't know if we got a, they had a corner after that. It was so bizarre. I don't know if that was one of their shots on goal. If that was one of their shots on goal then they really only had one shot on goal the entire night. Just one. And that's just an absolute smothering defense. At per usual, just how this team's been built since day one, this is a defense that's ready to go win championships. And we've seen it with Orange County last year. 
that if you have a defense, you can win. The only thing that concerns me about doing the Orange County approach is that if you end up in penalties, I don't think Matt Van Oakle saved a penalty in his career. And if I don't, or at least on the USL, I don't think he has a single penalty save. So that might be something to keep your eye on going into the future. Um, listen, I was really happy to see uh, Mateo, uh, Matthew Corcoran, uh, blanking on names, uh, Grayson DuPont get out there, Ryan get his goal, Bruno get out there. I really do wish that they would have given Eddie some run. But there's only so many subs you can make in a game. You can only make five, and he was number six. I hate it. I hate it for him. So, but hey, this is about to be a fun week for me because I get to take a little bit of a break from content. For you guys, uh, everything should be coming out as normal. It should be a normal week. It's just I don't have to pre-record anything anymore. <laughs> so I am done being tired. I, yeah. So I've enjoyed my trip. If you have a chance to come out to Charleston, it's a beautiful place. Um, we've had a blast. We ate at a place called uh, 82 Queen, which was oh, just uh, so good. So good. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much. And make sure as soon as you're done with this, go listen to my interview with Mark Watson. Go ahead. If you have a long car ride ahead of you, it's a, it's a goodie. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And until next time, guys, keep hammering on.